Welcome to Taboo Topic. I'm your host, Karen Drew. Happy New Year. This is your hot seat edition of the show, where I put one current event, idea, view, or individual on blast or hot seat by provoking thought, asking questions, and providing facts for rebuttal. I have a returning guest who will discuss with me, Robert Smith, or TJ Roberts, excuse me. He will discuss the proposals being pipeline of New York. But before then, as always, I will provoke thought by thinking out loud. Stay tuned after this break. Welcome back to Hot Seat Wednesday. I'm your host, Ken Drew, as usual. Let's dive right into it today, shall we? Today, being the unvaccinated, the new scapegoat. It's not real until the finger is pointed at you. Happy New Year, peasants. That's how the elite class looks at anyone who chooses to question their narrative. Now, a year ago, I started this publication as a result of what happened on January 6, 2021. It was only a couple weeks later that I wrote my first piece. I dared to question the narrative. In the first six weeks of the new publication, I wrote several articles that forced me to review history. I noticed that there were eerie similarities between the events from the 20th century and what was currently happening in America and the West. And this compelled me to make those comparisons in my articles. I acknowledge that it seemed hyperbolic, a conspiracy, speculative, with no direct evidence. My conclusions were based on observation and circumstances. However, those articles have aged like fine wine. I wish to be wrong, that my speculations were a knee-jerk reaction, if you will. Unfortunately, recent events indicate that history does indeed rhyme. Remember when the lockdowns first came about? It was about slowing the spread and flattening the curve. The entire world was brought to its knees as livelihoods were shut down because of the original presumption of the virus and its deadliness. Even America, a nation whose DNA touts freedom from government tyranny, forced their own to relinquish those freedoms in order to flatten the curve. The majority at the time were in agreement. Hell, even red states were in this together. Very few were outspoken about the government overreach. Those people dared to question the idea that bureaucrats could pick and choose who were essential. I definitely had my doubts, yet ultimately fell in the line of compliance, for the time being anyway. I would get upset with anyone questioning if quarantines were necessary and if mask and lockdowns, mask requirements and lockdowns were within the powers of the government. Easy for me to say when I had a guaranteed paycheck from the very government that told everyone else they had to sacrifice their paychecks. 
Now, I don't remember when the light bulb came on for me, but it happened. Feeling duped by my own comforts from reality. Next thing we read, next thing we know, those small few who were outspoken became at least 74 million in the November election. Regardless of your thoughts of the validity of the results. A few other important events occur that we must look into that led us to today's episode. COVID-19 vaccinations were out of the labs and ready for public consumption in less than a year, despite the odds and skepticism. Thanks to Operation Warp Speed, a vaccine was developed under the usual time frame of 5 to 12 years. Donald Trump cut through red tape to get a vaccine developed so fast that for the last year, people around the globe have been hesitant to take it. I can't speculate as to their reasoning, nor do I care. After all, it is their personal choice. However, those in power had quite the shift in tone once one side realized 45 was going to be out of office. The elite class suddenly became interested in the vaccine. They became interested in lecturing the public to do the right thing by getting the COVID vaccine despite having no long-term studies conducted nor FDA approval until recently. Since then, we have heard that anyone who is unvaccinated is the reason why nurses are overworked, hospitals are at full capacity, and the virus continues to loom. Some countries, like Australia, isolate those who do not get the vaccine by putting them in quarantine camps 24-7. In Italy, you can't participate in society if you haven't been vaccinated. Austria has imposed more lockdowns for anybody unvaccinated over the age of 12 for the sake of protecting public health. France has imposed vaccine passports if you want to function in your daily life with police doing random vaccine passport checks. Anybody who doesn't provide proof of vaccination status is assumed to be unvaccinated and therefore declared a public health threat and worthy to be be ostracized from society. And as of December of 2021, we have Ursula von der Leyen, president of the European Commission, suggesting that we remove the numerous Numero code, Nuremberg code, excuse me, a code made to protect humans from involuntary scientific experiments after the heinous crimes from Nazi Germany. Though she never declared, she never directly suggested this, people, including myself, find her support for forced vaccinations on everybody, claiming it would be understandable and appropriate to be a direct violation of the Nuremberg Code. It gets better, though. Americans New York State said, hold my beer. On January 5th, today, New York legislators will be voting on numerous bills that a sane individual will understand is a violation of the Nuremberg Code. Fat checkers will deny this, but it's already been determined that their fat checking is based on opinion and thus holds no weight regarding the truth of what's transpired that day. 
the proposals, including allowing the governor to imprison anyone deemed a public threat without trial or warrant, forcing COVID shots for children attending schools as young as two months old, forcing all adult vaccine records to be put into a state database, mandatory flu shots for all age groups who attend school, including preschool, eliminating religious exemption for the vaccine for both work and school purposes, eliminating parents' right to consent to their child's shots at the age of 14, eliminating parents' right to consent to STD shots for their children at any age, and lastly, giving insurance companies the right to deny coverage based on vaccination status. These proposals, if passed, will be a direct violation of our Constitution, HIPAA, even the Affordable Care Act, and the Nuremberg Code. An attack on human rights. People who have questioned the narrative surrounding COVID-19 from day one are the group most hated by the elite class. Every measure has been the result of their unwillingness to fall in line. Propaganda spreads to say that people who do not wear masks, refuse to obey lockdowns, and refuse to get the vaccine are the danger to society. Those people are the reason why these measures are justified according to them. Now, does that seem a little broad to you? As if if any of those descriptions could apply to you? Hmm. Of course, it's by design. So is it really your responsibility that the government is taking these extreme measures? That's the lie. You aren't. Alright, you aren't the reason why these measures are being taken. It was never about public health. Because if it was, then it wouldn't be focused on one set of people. There would be a conversation about how the vaccinated are leading the way of COVID-19 cases and hospitalizations. How mass vaccinations will create more variants of COVID. Questions would be allowed. Information wouldn't be suppressed. It's about control, which in turn benefits those in power the most. And where there's power, there is a profit to be made. It's almost as if this happens in every Marxist regime. I want to emphasize I did not want my speculations to be validated or vindicated. It is absolute asinine that this is a debate in America today. I believe, however, that we are still one nation. New York is still American, despite its polarizing views ideologically. I'd be a contributor to the issue if I did not speak out what was happening to my fellow Americans whether they disagree with my sentiments or not. I'd be a contributor if I kept silent on what was happening around the globe, despite my isolationist perspectives. Evil wins when good people do nothing. It is easy for me to sit in Florida, basking basking in freedom. Thank you, Rob DeSantis, by the way. When there are people whose basic divine rights are being taken away. Our comforts blind us. Listen, liberty doesn't end abruptly. 
It is a slow cooking process with tyranny creeping inch by inch. You know, I'm reminded of the prequel films of Star Wars. It symbolized how free societies fall. The point that George Lucas was trying to make, especially in that third film, Revenge of the Sith, is that we vote ourselves into oppression. That's how a free society falls. Ladies and gentlemen, you have been gaslighted into believing that by not falling in line, you or others should be burdened with the consequences of their power grab. You, the unvaccinated, or doubters, are the new scapegoat. Welcome to America 2022. We'll be back after this short break. Stay tuned. And now a word from another sponsor, myself. Do you want to follow my social media and keep up to date when I have my episodes on taboo topic? Or even read the script to my Thinking Out Loud monologue for my Hot Seat Wednesday edition? Well, you can follow me on Instagram by looking up Kenjin underscore express. Spell the word engine. Put the letter K in for the word engine. Then you get Kenjin, one word, underscore express. Where I post stories the elite class won't discuss and updates on the show. Then there's Facebook. Just by typing in Taboo Topic, look for the logo that says Honesty Equals Understanding. If we can't be honest with each other, then we don't have real peace amongst ourselves. Then, of course, if you want to read the script of today's show, just type in Kenjin296.substack.com. RP Kenjin296.substack.com. There you can read the script for yourself. That thinking out loud monologue that provokes thought. You can tune into my show through any platform. The same criteria as Facebook, i.e., just type in taboo topic. Look for that logo that says honesty equals understanding. And you can listen to this podcast through Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc. But please be sure to leave a review. If it's anything less than a five star, definitely let me know how I can better serve you because ultimately you guys are my audience. You're my target people. I'm an independent, regular Joe, free from corporate interests, which we already know their interest is, is with China than our own fellow Americans. They're not going to, they're too afraid to lose money. They're too afraid to call China out. But on this show, because we're independent, we dare to question the narrative and think out loud. And we also believe in the First Amendment and that free speech triumphs your safe space. So please tune in every week. On Fridays, we do a week in review as well, where I pick three to four stories. Or if I have someone else, we'll have six to eight stories to go over. So at least two episodes a week, guaranteed. One, all right, regardless, you guys, the regular Joe or Jane, the working class American, y'all give me purpose. And if we can't be honest with each other, again, 
there's no real peace. It's a fake peace just waiting to boil over. And that's why honesty at least leads to an, a true understanding. We don't have to agree with each other, but we'll at least understand with each, understand where we're coming from. And that's what the show is about. And that is a sponsor for my own show. So please, hope you enjoy the rest of the show. And with that said, let's get back right into it. And welcome to Taboo Topic. Welcome back. Happy New Year, everyone. Once again, I am your host, Ken Drew. And I'm joined by my guest, TJ Roberts. How are you, TJ? I'm doing well. How are you? Pretty good. How's the holiday break for you? Oh, it was it was decent. Um, spent some time with family and just finally got to relax. So that was good. Oh, great. What'd y'all do? Oh, just hung out. Just, just I mean, really, just relaxed. Like <laughs> we were all relatively busy, so getting the chance to actually take some time and just be with family was good. So. Well, it sounds a lot more relaxing than mine. Um, I did a lot of traveling for the holidays. I went to Georgia for Christmas, and I just got back yesterday from Alabama for a wedding for, that actually took place on New Year's Day. So, um, yeah, it's been a lot, been pretty busy from my end, and I guess the groom never has to worry about forgetting the anniversary since it falls on New Year's Day. <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, it's pretty easy. So what you call it. But um, so remind me again and refresher for the audience. Um, I want to make sure I get this right. But you're a civil rights constitutional lawyer ish, right? I am not a lawyer. Um, I mean, student, I should say. Sorry. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a law student. Um, my main interests are civil rights and constitutional law. OK, gotcha. All right. So I was in the ballpark just at the lawyer part. <laughs> Um, which we caught. Ah, so let's just get into it, shall we? Because um, I think this is a pretty important uh, topic that we're going to be covering today because, frankly, uh, it's weird to think we're having this conversation in our country right now. But here we are. So I sent you a video uh, from a comedian called JP Awaken, and this is where I learned about these proposals are being shoved down in New York come tomorrow by the time we're we're recording the day before it actually they actually uh, meet in session and talk about passing these bills but um with that said i decided to go ahead and invite you back on the show because this is clearly something within your ballpark this is within your realms and i want to see if there's something that maybe i missed or just people in general are missing like what's up what are stuff that we need to know about this law etc so um, which McCall. Yeah. So tell us what you know about some of these laws that are being proposed. Or do, do you want me to like go ahead and just go one by one, or you have a general like good idea like what to go over? You there? Can you hear me? I can hear you now. <laughs> sorry oh. about that, folks. Okay, sorry about that. Uh, let's go one by one. Okay, gotcha. All right, so you heard everything I said then? Yes. Perfect. All right. <laughs> so go ahead. I'll literally take the floor then. 
I mean, I, so I, I was hope I was actually hoping that you were to tell me which one oh, you okay, wanted. Okay, okay, okay. Sorry, sorry, sorry. All right, so let's go with the first uh, assembly bill, uh, A eighty three seventy eight, where it talks about forced COVID shot mandates to attend school. What do you know about that? Okay, so a lot of these, in terms of like mandatory vaccination that are sanctioned by state governments they're going to be resting on a supreme court case called jacobson versus massachusetts so jacobson massachusetts versus massachusetts was a case in which obviously the state of massachusetts had uh, mandated i believe it was a polio vaccine it was either polio or smallpox i'm pretty sure it was polio though um in it uh jacobson had refused the vaccine and as a result faced a $5 fine. Now that's about a hundred or so dollars. Um, he challenged the constitutionality of the fine and the end result was the Supreme court held that it is, a, it is constitutional for a state government um, to mandate a vaccine. They explicitly state, however, that this is the result of it. Partially, the, the case relies on the fact that it was a modest fine was the punishment. It wasn't complete and total foreclosure from participating in polite society. It's similar to a speeding ticket, essentially. Mm-hmm. It's, it's much more of a strict liability type of thing that could be handled in municipal court. So when you think about Jacobson, it's actually rather limited, but I will say I do believe Jacobson is wrongly decided, um, particularly with the case law that we have now, but also just to look at the logic behind it. At the fundamental level, Jacobson puts the state police power over an individual's right to self-ownership and bodily autonomy, first and foremost. And taking it to its logical conclusion, Jacobson makes the case for eugenics. And in fact, the Supreme Court later used the exact same logic and even cited to Jacobson in a 1922 case called Buck versus Bell, where the United States Supreme Court upheld a eugenics program that involved the forced sterilization of a woman which uh, in Oliver Wendell Holmes' defense of it, he stated that three generations of imbeciles is enough. Well, obviously there's problems there of who gets to decide who the imbeciles are. Um, Why is it that a state general assembly should be able to say who has the right to reproduce? And it all came from the 10th Amendment policing power. Um, and it was literally the same argument, so much so that the Supreme Court directly cites to Jacobson. But in addition, you can look to the historical level as well. Um, Jacobson and Buck versus Bell were both decided before the incorporation era. So incorporation was a case where what was it was a doctrine in constitutional law that essentially holds that the due process clause of the 14th amendment incorporates the bill of rights as in it applies the bill of rights to state government stating that no state shall deprive shall deprive individuals of due process of law. So they utilize the due process clause 
to take amendments one through eight and bring them down to the state level. In addition, okay. there's case law that even goes further to contradict Jacobson and and Buck. In particular, it's cases that, funny enough, we had discussed in our last episode. Um, in nineteen in the nineteen sixties, you have Griswold versus Connecticut, which is the first case that holds that one has a right to right to privacy in in a capacity of their decisions that they make with their own with their own doctor. This was later extended in nineteen seventy three in Roe versus Wade. Frankly, I do not think you can believe in Roe versus Wade and Jacobson versus Massachusetts at the same time. So that actually kind of gets into the next bill, because I think it's a good segue to the next bill, which is like Bill A279A slash S75A. It's a handful of say. But anyways, uh, forces all adult vaccine records into state database. So it sounds like that law or this bill kind of contradicts one of the cases from the 1960s you just mentioned, correct? Oh, I mean, it directly, co- it directly contradicts Roe. Uh, I mean, full stop. In addition, just it, in it, I mean, just at the fundamental level, it, it, that one is also a direct violation of federal law as it currently stands. So that one would be struck down, not even on constitutional grounds. That would be struck down on federal statute. Okay. Uh, so, like, so the right, to, which, by the way, the the right to privacy argument wasn't used to um, foreclose public disclosure of who is on birth control and who is getting abortion. The right to privacy was straight up about one's right to choose entirely. Um, so the fact is, so the fact right now case law has a contradiction, but it seems that the most recent case law suggests that the right to privacy extends to one's own private medical decisions, which of course, immunization is one of those medical decisions. Interesting. So, so this, the, the database is just repugnant on federal statutory and constitutional grounds, but, okay. but yeah. Okay, so, so the other bills proposed, I guess this kind of goes back to just anything that has to do with like vaccine maintenance where it's like forced COVID shots for college students or forced flu shots to attend school and preschool daycare. I'm assuming that all falls under that Massachusetts case, correct? Um, yeah, the, I mean, to to argue the constitutionality of any of these vaccine mandate laws, the argument for it is Jacobson allows for state and local governments under the 10th Amendment to essentially do whatever they want. Um, so it's an argument, though, is like they're going they're using that case to justify these mandates, correct? Yes. Okay. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, so what about uh, Assembly Bill A8398, the one where it talks about eliminating religious exemptions for work and college? So first and foremost, like, where did the religious exemption even come from? I'm sure you have a better understanding than most of the audience, including myself. So I'll let you go and take the floor on that. But I think that's that's kind of a a big one as well to take note of. Right. So we have several... Um, you have several sources for like religious exemptions, but so the most common mistake is people think that religious exemptions come from the first amendment, um, which 
lawyers did argue that initially, but then you had um, the employment division case. I don't remember the exact case citation, but it's it, it's it's known as the employment division case. Um, this was a case where individuals in accordance with their religious beliefs were consuming illegal drugs. Um, the court in what I believe was a 5-4 decision ruled that the First Amendment does not exempt individuals from neutral and generally applicable laws. So those in favor of eliminating the religious exemption to vaccine mandates, they're going to argue that the employment division case closes the door on this. However, it was entirely within the purview of state and the federal government to pass statutes requiring religious exemption. So the first one that you have at the federal level is the Religious Freedom Restoration Act. This was a, this was a federal statute that was enacted directly um, in response to the employment division case, which made for made for religious exemptions in in many circumstances in regards to employment education just in general so this is generally known as title 7 so title 7 is your civil rights area for for religious beliefs which essentially precludes not just the federal government but even private employers from discriminating on the grounds of religion um, there's conflicting case law on it. The Supreme Court recently denied cert um, for a New York City mandate for healthcare workers that disregarded religious beliefs. There were some issues with the lawsuit, but in addition to it, like healthcare workers, that's where you get into compelling state interests, possibly. But for general workers, I think the court may have an entirely different attitude. And there were three justices that were ready to take this case on and strike down New York's mandate on healthcare workers as well. So it's conflicting. And it's one of those areas that is, again, it's more of a legal, that's more of a legal gray area. So what these individuals are doing is in a in essence they're they are pandering to the medical industrial complex and essentially trying to repeal part of their state rifra law and this is one of those things where you can see where the power trips really are coming on and this is more the policy analyst in me than the um than the law student in me. <laughs> um this is going to come back to bite them. I, I mean, you, you repeal your state law banning religious discrimination in regards to medical practices. You are going to see further oppression of other religious minorities whenever the power dynamic shifts. Uh, it, it's incredible to me because a lot of these laws were passed not only by the Christian right, but were pass on bipartisan basis because the left acknowledged that a power granted to the majority can be used to, to abuse a minority. That's what the left used to believe. And I respected that old left dynamic there. And 
you can see now that the left has taken over these institutions of power of the medical industrial complex, the media, things along these lines. Now it is all about imposing what they have to hell with those who disagree on, on who disagree, whether it be religiously or conscientiously. And one of the things that, that I mean, they're looking very much in the short term here. In the long term, the power dynamic in the United States has been a pendulum between the left and the right. And, Frankly, it's a dangerous game they're playing. Mm. Uh, I just beyond beyond any of the legal arguments against it, just on a policy basis, this is a terrible idea. <laughs> well, talk about speaking of terrible ideas, uh, this gets into parents' rights, which, frankly, the last last year's election was like Virginia, for example. Uh, parents were concerned about their voices not being acknowledged. They have two bills where addresses parents' rights, or I should say eliminating parents' rights. One of those bills talks about eliminates parents' consent to shots when a child reaches at the age of 14. And the other bill eliminates parents' right to consent to STD shots for any for children of any age, which I'm not entirely sure what that's about, but maybe you have a better understanding what they're trying to go for in this one. Again, I have no idea, like, so this is the thing that's funny about uh, this is the thing that's funny about the left, particularly in Virginia. I don't think they are willing to accept the political reality that the voters are not in support of what they have been doing since 2020. And you would need to look no further than the, you need to look no further than the 2021 election where Republicans sweeped the Virginia electorate. They retook the House, and I don't remember specifically if they retook the Senate, but... I believe they did. Don't hold me to it, though. (laughs) I mean, regardless of whether they retook the Senate or not, like, I, I know they gained seats in the Senate, too. Right. Despite the fact that the overwhelming population growth in Virginia is in northern Virginia, which is right next to Washington, D.C., a district that went 90 percent for Hillary Clinton and Joe Biden. And that area is just about the in the because everyone that lives there are taxpayer funded lobbyists, members of the military industrial complex and just members of the elite that love the left. I the Republicans came out by the droves because you messed with their right to parent their children. And they're doubling down on that during a congressional year where the, where there is going to be a red wave anyway. Um, and, and beyond that, the, the case law has already established that there is a fundamental right to parent your child as you see fit with, of course, limitations subject to, compelling state interest but the fact is medical decisions is one of those and in fact there is case law surrounding i believe christian scientists individuals who reject the use of medicine altogether and the courts typically have upheld the right of the parent to make that decision for their child Mm -hmm. um notwithstanding state law again it's just a dangerous game that they're playing that it's just a dangerous game they're playing that if it doesn't violate 
the federal constitution, it's going to backfire politically to to no end. I just well but, hold my beer because it gets better. Um, <laughs> this is the big <laughs> controversial one that really got my attention. Why I even did this episode to begin with? But Assembly Bill A four sixteen, which allows the governor to imprison anyone without trial, she or he considers a public health threat in on an indefinite basis. Um, do you want to take the floor on that one? <laughs> um, I mean, what do you know? Good luck, good luck with that. I was going to say, do you know anything more, anything specific about that law? I Have mean, you read it, the details. It, yeah, I read the details of it, and I mean, just to be like, I mean, it literally goes back as far as the Civil War, and it violates one of the first ever, uh, first ever. United States Supreme Court cases about emergency powers. Um, this is ex parte. I'm, I get the two confused because there's they sound, it's either ex parte Milligan or ex parte Mary Man. Um, I'm gonna make sure right now. It's um, so. What are the it, finer it, details it, it, of it, the bill that you're aware of? Then, real quick, what are the finer details that um, that that you know that people should take note of? I mean, so this gives the governor the unilateral authority to lock up individuals that the governor has a hunch um, either has come into contact with or is carrying a communicable disease. Pretty much anyone. Um, <laughs> right. There's no trial. Um, there's no notice. There's no hearing. Just the governor does this. And there is nothing you can really do about it. There's no appeal process. Nothing whatsoever. And the case is Ex Parte Mary. Um, Ex Parte Mary Man was a Supreme Court case decided, well, it was a federal court case. It was, it was decided by the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court in 1861. Um, and the case was decided that Abraham Lincoln um, stepped outside the bounds of his power when he suspended habeas corpus and essentially had people in prison without trials because they were not um, on board with the cause of preserving the union where one stands on the civil war doesn't really matter. It's a, it's a basic, it's a basic constitutional principle that only Congress can suspend habeas corpus, but just beyond that as well, you also have due process issues. Uh, you have to have a, that I'm mean, just right there in the fifth amendment, 14th amendment, no person shall be deprived of life, liberty or property without due process of law. This is a clear violation of liberty without due process of law. It, it's so egregiously unconstitutional that whoever this rep is has no business holding uh, holding office in the United States. I mean, this goes as far back to the Civil War. Mm. So there's one more proposal then. Uh, this is the last proposal. <laughs> and then we're going to kind of get into the numeric. Yeah. Nuremberg Code, excuse me, I can't pronounce it to save my life right now. And as sure. far as like why people are making that connection to all these bills. But the last proposal is um, a bill that would eliminate unvaccinated people's access to health insurance. What do you know about the finer details of that bill? It violates the Affordable Care Act. All right, uh, it, to the point. <laughs> um, I, I mean, just 
straight up, like this is it's remarkable how the Medicare for all and the Obamacare audience is the are the people that are trying to deny health coverage now. I, I mean, it, it's it's remarkable just seeing how everything comes in. And this is the problem whenever you have government sponsored health care. And this is what ha- happens whenever you have a healthcare system that is so heavily based off of insurance. It's to where the government can compel your behavior based on this. But in all seriousness, this just, it straight up violates the Affordable Health Care Act. And there is no defense for this. And it would be struck down in federal court. Um, just plain and simple. Um, right. I, so yeah. what's the connection then with all these proposals and everything like that? Why do, for the audience to get a better understanding, if there's like, a someone who happens to be a liberal that's trying to make a connection like why are pe- people making this between the November code and these proposals what can you explain to that person on this show with the limited time we have left sure so Nuremberg codes arose out of the Holocaust um, it's named after the Nuremberg trials um, particularly you can think of Dr. Mengele who was the chief uh, the chief medical officer under Nazi Germany, and he engaged in horrific, and I mean horrific medical experimentation on the victims of the Holocaust. Um, it, so some of the things that the Nuremberg says is that no one is to be compelled to take an experimental vaccine or any experimental drug. Um so used to, so these vaccines um, were literally developed at warp speed. Um, it's called Operation Warp Speed for that exact reason. The problem at hand is whether anyone is, is it, and there's a little bit of a difference here. So there's some areas. One, it's debatable about whether or not Nuremberg Code actually applies to federal law. But even if it does not, there is federal statute that says that you cannot mandate a vaccine that is still ex- that is still under experimentation. Um, so at least that part of the Nuremberg Code has been codified under federal statute. Um, so there's debate right now, but the CDC has kind of sided with us on this. Um, while the FDA has fully approved some vaccines, the vaccines that are being administered right now by Pfizer, Moderna, and Johnson and Johnson are not the vaccines that were fully approved. So they're giving completely different vaccines. And these vaccines that are being administered are still under emergency use authorization. Mm -hmm. And as a result, by definition, they are still experimental. So Mm, it's a little shell game here of, well, a vaccine by Pfizer has been fully approved, so therefore they can they can mandate this vaccine. Well, that's not exactly how it works. Um, I, I it's one of those things though. It's like the you'll see the fact checks from Reuters and from Politifact saying, "No, this doesn't violate the Nuremberg Code," and "No, this isn't as bad as the Holocaust." <laughs> Well, if, right. if you're gauging the morality of your policies purely by, oh, well, he didn't commit a Holocaust at least, well, I guess <laughs> then any policy is moral just about. I guess Augusto Pinochet was moral because he brutally murdered fewer people than the, the, the amount of people Salvatore Allende would have brutally murdered had he stayed in office. 
mm-hmm. I mean, it's, so I mean, that's one of one of my criticisms with resorting to the Nuremberg Code is like, sure, there may be some credibility to the argument, but it's once again, it's more of a gray area. But also, it's just one of those things where all that the all that the other side has to do is like. This isn't as bad as the Holocaust. Well, no, well, no, duh, it's not as bad as the Holocaust. As far as I know, six million people haven't been killed by this thing. But mm-hmm. the fact is, it is still an affront to bodily autonomy. And much of what the Nuremberg Code is based off of is off of the notion that individuals have a right to their own body. Mm-hmm. And... I don't have to say I don't have to invoke the Nuremberg Code to say that you have a right to self-ownership and that you have a right to make your own medical decisions. Right. And that's just the reality behind it. It's like, is there a connection? I guess in some philosophical ways there is, because we don't exactly have the results. And in fact, the results from the trials for the vaccines, even the ones that are fully approved. They're under lock and key by a court order for the next 75 years. So we're not going to know until I'm 98 years old what the actual long-term effects of these vaccines are. Um, and so that's a, that's a problem. That, that And if you own yourself, if you own your body, then your interactions should be guided by informed consent. And I'd like to think, too, and I kind of, I guess this is kind of like how we're going to close out, kind of just give our initial and final thoughts about this whole situation. About the Nuremberg Code, I mean, let's actually, let me backtrack a little bit and say that history does not repeat itself, but it rhymes. So it doesn't necessarily have to, so the same exact thing doesn't necessarily have to happen, but something similar to where it's like, huh, I wonder where I've seen this before. Or like the Rodney McFly uh, meme where it's like, hey, I've seen this before, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, and so the Remember Code is essentially a a way for the whole world that acknowledges acknowledge saying uh, we're not going to even in order for us to prevent from getting to that point again. Let's come up with this code right here so we don't allow ourselves to where human beings are being coerced into or being subjugated to these experimental you know medical practices whatnot. It doesn't have to be exactly like the Holocaust, but it could be something similar to this, which I can understand why many people, uh, at least a sane individual anyway, can look at these proposals and make that connection to Nuremberg Code. Um, But also, uh, as far as just the bills itself and everything like that, it's a strange phenomenon and a strange time we're living in when we're having to have these conversations in America, out of all the places, uh, country and history where we're the we hate government overreach, supposedly. <laughs> I... and, and we fought, as a matter of fact, we fought again, we fought for our, our independence as a result of government overreach. And now we have one side that's basically wanting more of the government to come involved in lives and like, yes please take more control of my life. I want you to take more control of my life. I mean, that's just the Im- impression I'm getting um, with these proposals and everything like that. And people that are basically defending these bills. But I mean, that's just like my initial thoughts. And um, I guess just kind of a, 
scary thought to think that this is going to be discussed tomorrow in the assembly when the New York Congress members, uh, state Congress members come in, discuss these bills. Um, I have a prediction that it's probably going to get passed, but I think with our Supreme Court, the way it's set up right now, it's, I would say, frankly, all of these are going to get struck down uh, by laws with just a simple lawsuit. These laws are not going to stand, which to me um, is kind of pointless why they would even be pushing to pass these laws. But I'll let you go ahead and take uh, the floor for your initial slash final thoughts. Yeah, I mean, my final thoughts are like there are a plethora of constitutional and federal statutory issues behind these bills. And I, it's one of those things whenever you, uh, it, it's the, it's the outcome of one party control, which is what you have in New York. Mm-hmm. You have a clear bend toward one party. And as a result, you're, what you're going to get is you're going to get a su- suppression of the other side of the argument. Um, and funny enough, the response that you see from the right, while it's the, it is the correct response, it only expands the majority in New York, where people are leaving New York by the droves. And frankly, that is your last option in New York is to vote by, uh, vote by your feet. Uh, I mean, the federal courts can protect you from some of this stuff, but the question is, how much abuse are you going to put up with before you actually leave and go to a state where you can have at least a semblance of what it was like before 2020 in such as Florida. I, I mean, it's it's one of those things where the left is kind of forcing a balkanization of America in a way where people are leaving the New Yorks and Californias of this world and are going to the Texases and Floridas of this world. And you can't blame them. The fact is, eventually the left is going to truly overplay its hand. And what is going to be left is going to be the tent cities, the economic devastation, and frankly, the productive members of society are eventually going to leave and are eventually going to opt in for, group, for areas that actually value them and actually, and actually have a good environment for productivity. And frankly, for the to the for New York, I have no pity. It used to be the <laughs> greatest city in the world, but it is a fallen civilization now. And despite all the nostalgia, I think people need to move on from it. I just that. Well, I, yeah, I, just, I was I'm, talking to my girlfriend the other day, and I told her like on my bucket list for the longest time was to go to New York City for New Year's Eve because that's. It's freaking cool to see the ball drop and everything like that. I grew up watching it on TV and everything like that. I thought growing up, it'd be cool to actually be in that city during that time. But um, based on how radical things have gotten there, I've kind of tossed that out. (laughs) I just have to accept reality because I can't uh, go there uh, for the reasons that these bills are basically – uh, wanting, I mean, you have to basically show a vaccination card already, I think, in New York State or New York City, for example, to just to function daily livelihoods, for example, which I think that's ridiculous and a violation of HIPAA to require such thing. But I can 
digress on that one, but uh, I, I will say it doesn't violate HIPAA, but it does violate basic human decency. Um, HIPAA is a HIPAA is a complex little uh, thing that I have a lot of like what uh, like it's it's a very misunderstood law. It, it's just essentially about medical providers not giving information to employers. So if they require you, the individual, to do it, I think it's morally wrong. And there's privacy concerns there that maybe we should pass statute for, but HIPAA itself does not protect it. Hmm. Looks like a different conversation for another day then, sounds like. <laughs> yeah. that's, a, that's another issue many people talk about with all these COVID vaccines and mandates and everything like that and the vaccination cards. Yeah, I, I will yeah, I will say HIPAA does not protect any of that. Um, absolutely. Yeah, no, HIPAA does not protect it. You can still be against mandates on that, but HIPAA is not the best way to protect it. Mm, interesting. Um, I'll definitely come on. I'll definitely have you come on back on the show uh, for that conversation then, because there's obviously a lot of that going on and as far as uh, countries and states asking uh, for vaccination cards or vax pa passports, whatever you want to call it, just to even eat at a restaurant, which I find ridiculous, but, um, or it's at least intrusive nonetheless, <laughs> yeah. in my opinion. But uh, thanks TJ for coming on to the show. I appreciate you coming back on. Is there any, uh, anything else you want to tell the audience before we go? Yeah. So just one quick disclosure that I'm doing because I just want to make abundantly clear. I am a law school student, not a lawyer, so none of what I said there is legal advice. If you have an issue surrounding any of these things, consult with a lawyer if you believe your rights have been violated. Um, that's probably the only piece of advice I can give is consult with a lawyer. But um, just understand that there's a lot more gray area in this than people realize. And just because someone invokes Jacobson, well... If they invoke Jacobson, I hope they're all for overturning Roe. <laughs> That's a fair point. Uh, thanks again, TJ. And with that said, ladies and gentlemen, uh, great job, by the way. Uh, stick around. I'll be back. TJ will be gone, but I'll be back to close the show out. So uh, stay tuned. Welcome back to Taboo Topic. I'm your host, Ken Drew. I want to thank again TJ Roberts for coming on to my show and providing us some good information as usual. Um, hopefully you can come back on the show another time. With that said, though, I do hope you all have a great rest of your Wednesday, and I'll be back on Friday to do a weekend review. I know it's been a minute since I've done a weekend review, but we have a lot of lost ground to make up for, which means there's some stories I can actually pick from. A lot of stories to pick from, I should say. Uh, I'll try to give you the best uh, episode that can provide for you. Uh, with that said, stay tuned, uh, or I should say, please come back on that day. And with that said, ladies and gentlemen, until Friday, you have a blessed rest of your day. Thank you.